Last month, I got to do something really fun in, the, in December. Um, I ran the Dallas Marathon. I did the half. And for those of you who've never done it, one of the really fun aspects of running that race is that there are people lining the roads like the, almost the entire course. And, and many of them are holding up signs, various kinds of signs, usually of encouragement. And you'll get, you know, the ones that, that'll say, you know, um, a lot of kids had these ones that would say, push here for more power. So you'd run by and you'd push their, um, their posters. It was kind of fun that way. Or there were some that would say, go random stranger or things like that. <laughs> and then every now and then you would get one that was, you know, it was the, the cynical kind of fun poster. But there was one like at mile two that was like, only 24 more miles to go. Aren't, aren't, aren't you sad, lonely, and tired? And is that a rock in your shoe? And, um, but most of them were encouraging that way. And I remember some of the more encouraging ones um, that were trying to get you to go faster or motivate you. There was one that, for, that said, um, um, ladies, Ryan Gosselin is waiting for you at the finish line. And, and as if that weren't enough, it went on to say, with a puppy. But the one that I really uh, liked, and I was, granted, I was probably in my own uh, twisted mind, I was thinking about this sermon series a little bit, but, I, but about mile eight, I ran by this, uh, these folks that had this sign up that said, run as if there's something really scary behind you, as scary to you as commitment is to millennials. <laughs> and we're not going to pick on millennials today, but I, I did read an article uh, this past week where it was a millennial herself, um, Elizabeth Landau describing millennials as having commitment, being commitment phobes. That's what it, what she, how she described them. But we're not picking on that because all of us, I think, at some level have got a fear of commitment. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about as we wind up this sermon series that we've been doing. We've been, for the last um, two weeks before today, talking about how we face our fears. And on week one, we talked about facing sort of fear in general, fear of the future. Last week, we talked about fear of failure and then we're going to wind things up today by talking about fear of commitment. If you didn't get the earlier ones, I encourage you to go back and catch them online because um, they're there. But today we're looking at this fear of commitment. And some of you are thinking, yeah, you know, I don't, that's not a big deal to me. But I think it affects a lot of us. You know, for me, I know whenever we started getting to these electronic um, invitations and they added that maybe button. <laughs> God, how tempting that. I mean, like, yes, I want to hold my options. I would have said Probably yes, but maybe, because I'm not sure I want to do that. And we're, we're that way a lot. Our, I think our society continues to change where people don't want to be, you know, super committed, right? And it shows up in a number of different places. And I promise I'm not picking on the younger adults in the room, but it's just where the data is. Um, <laughs> this, this was a, a recent survey, uh, young adults, 18 to 34, that were asking them about the, the importance of various life transitions, and the question was, um, which of these do you consider to be extremely important as a life transition? Right? So listen to this data. Um, complete formal schooling. Well, 62% said, yeah, that's really important. Employed full-time, 52%. I'm thinking, what's up with that 48%? And they've got some kind of good gig going. Capable of supporting a family financially, 50%. Financially independent from parents, 43%. <laughs> No longer living in parents' house, 26%. All right. Like I, we'll have a sermon for the parents later. But the final one was uh, getting married, 12%. So this idea that, you know, that used to be a major thing that people would think about as part of becoming an adult. That would be part of the list. Only 12% 
of people 1834 considered that a big deal. And I think that part of what's going on with that is a little bit of fear about commitment, you know, and, and wanting, not wanting to, to go there, right? And so to, today in our sermon, I kind of want to do this a little bit like reporter. You know, I want to ask the major questions that we have around this, um, beginning with why does this even matter? And I think when we, when we talk about what our commitments are, it reflects on what our values are. So you can say that um, exit is important to me, but if you don't put any time on it or resources on it or anything else in your life on it, is it important to you? If I say my family's important, but don't spend any time with them or devote anything to them, are they important? Or to, to go back to, this is a sermon, go back to our faith, right? If we say we're Christian and we don't do anything with our money related to faith, we don't do anything with it really to speak of with our time or just a little bit or whatever else, does it really reflect, does it really show that that's something we value? I think that's what James in chapter 2 of the book of James um, talks about. If you've got faith, you're going to have these, these works that go with it. You know, he's like, you know, you say you have faith, here's the works that are going to show that kind of a deal. Because those two, he wants to conflate those real strongly and show you that those, that those go together. And I think we keep going, asking these kinds of questions. If you have nothing you're committed to, what do you value? Do you value anything? Or maybe only yourself? I think these are, that's one of the reasons why we talk about commitment and why it matters. Because it ultimately reflects what we value. I think the other thing why it matters is because it forms us. And we're still in the month of January. Many of us are still working on our uh, New Year's resolutions. Although last week we talked about in our sermon on failure, something like 88% of people fail on their resolutions. But that, go back and listen to that one. But, but this idea that we have these commitments. And if you, for example, made a commitment that in 2018 I'm going to be healthier, it's going to form you because you're already talking about what I'm eating. You're already talking about how you work out, what, how much time you're committing to that, et cetera, et cetera, all that. So what you commit to at some level will form you. So it matters in that way. And I think there are a whole bunch of things that um, aren't even possible if we're not willing to go into commitment. One can think about, um, you know, one of the aspects about marriage is that it's meant to be a place where you have commitment that leads to greater security, which ultimately is meant to lead to greater intimacy, right? It's meant to be that way, but it's all dependent on, on going further in this commitment thing. Or the Christian thing, you know, 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how in Christ we're new, we're new creatures. But I think part of that is that we're going to go all in. And, we're, and our gospel lesson is going to say something about that today too. But, but we want this to be new creatures, to have a new life, a new start, a new whatever. It's, it involves us committing and going in. I don't think it's, actually, I don't think it's possible without going all in, right? And so I think the next question then becomes, okay, all right, it matters, what holds us back? What are the things that, that hold us back on this? And I think one of the first things we might mention, um, and I think all the counselors in the room are going to shake their heads, but it's our baggage. You know, it's all the stuff we've had in the past that comes, comes with us, right? So for there people in the room who've had a marriage go bust are real scared about going into commitment again. Or people who are just in relationships that have gone sour are a little bit more scared about going into that new relationship or whatever else. We, we get that same pattern. And we can go on. I know in the spiritual realm, for me, talking to people about their faith, their journeys and their faith, you know, I'll get people who don't want to go further in faith, that next step with Christ, 
because they've been hurt somehow by the church or they've got a parent who's sort of been their, their father figure who hurt, let them down or you know, they've been hurt by another Christian or whatever else. And they've got these, these kinds of things, all this stuff in the baggage department that holds them back. Or there'll be this, or second thing will be self-doubt, you know, where we get to where like, eh, I don't want to commit to saying I'm a full-on Christian in front of other people because I'm not sure I can live up to it. Or I don't want to commit to that because I'm not sure I can be that good to that person. And I think those are really, in their own ways, the further you go in these commitments, actually, not only I think it's the easier, but you're in a context of hopefully a grace and security that will help, help you get back up if you do fall. So there's almost an argument in, in its own favor as we try to say, well, I'm not sure about it. And I think um, along with that, maybe the biggest thing is our desire to be independent, that we don't want to give up any options. You know, we want to hold on to every, every last thing because, that, you know, that's the way we're wired sometimes, sometimes that we, it feels that way. I'm mindful of this. One of the uh, churches I served at back when I was discerning whether I was called into ministry, um, I was there for a year serving as sort of an intern and we had this uh, one gentleman who died and his family, I was meeting for the first time with the family to arrange the funeral and do all this. And they threw me this curveball because we started talking about music. And they were like, well, yeah, we, we've got this one song we think really characterized the way he lived. We'd like to include it in the service. We'd like to do um, Sinatra, I did it my way. I'm like, yeah, it's you know, slightly antithetical to Christianity. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, but, that, but it reflects the way we are. We want to hold on to all of our independence. I think that's a big piece of why we don't want to commit. It's why we don't want to hit the, yes, I'll be there, because maybe I'll be there. Maybe I'll get a better offer, right? And along with that, I think sort of goes this notion of um, a bit of perfectionism. And some of the articles I was reading a couple weeks ago about getting ready for today was talking about some of the new dating apps and how this is a big deal for people because you're like, they're scared to commit because you may get another proposition right right there of somebody that's better you know better looking better whatever and trying to figure out and my answer of course is yes you will if you marry somebody because you think it's the most beautiful person in the world sooner or later there'll be somebody more beautiful if you marry somebody because they're wealthy god help you there'll be somebody more wealthy at some point and no one even looks at the heart because they get they get lost in all these kinds of things right or they can get that way but i think that's another reason why people are a little bit scary about commitment because if i lock into one what's that mean but I think there are whole, you know, I, I think like the next question is, where do we see this kind of stuff taking place? Well, obviously, from the things I've said already, relationships are like the big thing, particularly like intimate relationships, people who don't want to commit and it holds you back. Or even friendships, you know, um, I've seen the data of what's happened to friendships in the last hundred years. And it's really, it's really interesting. If you go back a hundred years, people had really deep friendships with people of the same gender who were deep friends, you know, like I always think about C.S. Lewis meeting every week to have beer at the, at the bird and baby in, in Oxford with his same group of friends, Tolkien and all those guys, you know, they had a deep friendship and they're talking about the number of the people, how many, how deep friendships used to exist. We almost have none now, like statistically, like people don't, aren't committing to, to a number of people that way. And I'll say more of that in just a few minutes. And of course, come back to Christianity where Commitment is like one of the keys to going deep in your faith and going to a new level is our commitment. But, you know, we have loads of people who won't commit. And you can see this in the data because my data is a little bit old. So don't, don't, don't lock down on these numbers. 
But like some of the numbers I saw was like the, the like 80 something percent of Americans say they believe in Jesus Christ. And then you go look at the number of people that are doing anything with it, right? You get this huge disparity, believe in Christ, doing very little with it kind of a thing. And so there's this huge lack of commitment. And for a lot of us, we want to be casual Christians. We want to somehow say, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not all there because you don't want to go nuts with it, right? When I first told some people, I think God may be calling me into ministry. I had, I had, I promise you, this is truth. I had a couple friends who'd say, yeah, I think you're taking it too serious, too seriously. <laughs> you know, because we want to be casual Christians and you're breaking the rule going too far. It's a little bit like um, the one I heard about the chicken and the hog that are walking through the forest. And they, they get to the edge of the forest and they come out of the forest and they come upon this country church that has one of these uh, you know, big marquees out front that says, you know, come here, Pastor Jones, preaching on feeding the hungry and poor. And they walk past the sign a little ways and the chicken says to the hog, you know, we ought to go do something with that. You know, why, why don't we go back and, and do a ham and eggs breakfast? And the hog looks over and finally say, he looks at him and says, dude, that involves you, but that's total commitment for me. <laughs> and we, you know, we want to be involved. We want to be the chicken, not the hog on that deal, right? We want to be involved, but not all in committed. And to get serious for a minute, I wonder if that's something we can do. I wonder if that's something that's even possible to do. And I think the passage, the passage that I would, or the quote that I would read to you guys on that is from C.S. Lewis, this great Oxford professor, Christian writer from last century, who said this. He says, if Christianity is untrue, then it's unimportant. However, if Christianity is true, then it's of the utmost importance. The only thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. I think C.S. Lewis is saying you, you, there's no such thing as a casual Christian. It's, it's either, it either doesn't matter and you're wasting your time or it matters infinitely and it's about everything. But don't, don't do this thing in the middle kind of a deal. So I, th I think the final question then is if, if something is holding us back, like some fear of commitment is holding us back, from taking, we're all on different journeys, we're all in different places, but whatever that next step is, and you're like, eh, not sure about that, and it really what, part of what's holding us back is that fear, how do we take that next step of commitment? I think part of it is maybe stepping back and looking at sort of the, um, I'm going to say the benefits and the costs of whatever that step is. Because if you look at, if you step back and look at whatever it is, but I'm going to talk Christianity for a second, if you look at sort of the benefits, we don't step back and think about it enough, but Jesus talks about how he came to give abundant life. And he talks about how he came to give life. And we talk about finding a grace-filled life. And we talk about, you know, all these different aspects of what it brings. And then we compare, compare that to the cost. And we're not going to belittle the, the cost. I mean, Jesus today in the gospel lesson that Bill read, you know, he's saying, okay, I'm not trying to sweep this cost under the rug. This is, this is a full-on commitment about what it involves. But, but come here. But the thing that I'm convinced of the longer I live is sometimes we don't see all of the benefits of this thing until we're on the inside. Like looking on the outside may look different. And I think about this, whether you're a contextualist or literalist or whatever, I want to go back to Genesis for a minute and think about Adam and Eve for a moment. You know, they're told, 
they got this glorious garden. Everything in it is lush. Life is good, wonderful. They're told this one tree. Don't mess with that one. And then they, don't see, they get to a place where they don't see all this stuff and how good it is. And all the stuff they can have, they, all, they keep seeing this. And all they can focus up, oh, I don't want to give that thing up. I want, to, I want that thing, you know. And we can get to like that where we're, we don't, we belittle the benefits or what, what the purpose and the meaning and all the stuff that comes in life in Christ, we belittle because we think, oh, but I'm going to have to give up that. It won't just be Sunday morning. It means my checkbook is going to have to come before God. And it means my, my calendar with my time is going to have to come before God. And I think all this stuff, I don't really want all that commitment. Because we're not seeing all the stuff that's there because we're focused on what we're going to have to give up. I think it all goes back. It's all there from the very start of the Bible. And I think it's not just with all the Christian stuff. I think with the, we're talking about friendships a little bit earlier. Learning to commit to friends and saying, you know, I, I once heard a talk about eight years ago from Bob Buford, the entrepreneur at lives in Dallas, who said in the second half of life, he figured out that he couldn't be, he couldn't be deep friends with everyone. So he got to this place where he said, I'm going to pick five friends and I'm going to tell them I'm committing to you as a friend. And I want to, I want to take the friendship deeper. I want to, I want it to be like these old friendships. I'm going to meet with you every week for lunch or every two weeks for lunch. I'm going to I want you to know I will always have your back. I'm committing to you. I'll have your back. All these kinds of things. And talking about going deeper on friendship, I think it's, that it's more cost, but it's more benefit, right? It's, there are lots of things that are like that. And I think for us, taking that next step, there are a number of things to think about it on the religious front, you know, as we do this. You know, our passage that we read, the first reading today, um, St. Paul is talking about how God is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This idea that God is already working. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to make that commitment to this friendship with him. And he's going to help you with it. And I think the more we um, open to him, the more he'll give us the strength to make these commitments and to do these things. And as we do it, I think we find more and more of the benefits and feedback. And I think it actually gets easier the further we go in it. And, you know, I'm going to sort of end the place we started this whole sermon series. Because on week one, we were talking about fear in general. And we came, down to, we came down to saying there are these two big things that will help us with fear. The first of which is that perfect love drives out fear. That's what scripture says in 1 John. Perfect love drives out fear. I think the more, like if you're still stuck, try to take that next step. The more we can engage God's love, participate in it, pray for it, share it, talk about it. The more that comes into us, the more it will push fear out. And it'll help us take the next step. And along with that is what we, what we get in Matthew 6, that the more we can begin to focus on God's kingdom and partnering with him and what he's about, the more it's going to push out anxiety and fear and all the other stuff with us. And it, I think it becomes easier for us to take whatever the next step is and keep growing. Because we're all on a journey. Wherever we are, we're all on a journey, and we just don't want to get stuck, right? So uh, no fear. That's where we want to end with this thing. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and you created us. And by your grace, you just accept us the way we are and where we are. Lord, work with us where we are and help us to take a next step with you in this uh, great adventure and journey you call us on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.